You are listening to this episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Sean Devine. That's Kyle Daigle. Supposedly. <laughs> this is allegedly Kyle Daigle. Uh, we got a good show today. It's been a while. Um, you've been less communicative than lately, which has me concerned. I have been? Yeah, I think so. Just digitally or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, doing a million and a half things right now. Yeah. I am wiring my house for cat six. Cat, I prefer dogs. <laughs> Dog seven and <laughs> cat six. <laughs> You're really doing that? Yeah, I really, I really am doing that. <sighs> so my office currently has like a pile of random electronics that I supposedly need to get internet in my home. Did something prompt that? Are yeah. you uh, are you hosting a uh, television show out of your basement? What is what's going on? I'm actually starting an ISP. Remember when? Remember when you if people used to think you could do that that easily? <laughs> anyway, um, I my home office is uh, far enough away from my wireless that even with like repeaters and trying to move my wireless around, that it's just like a pain in the butt. Uh, mm-hmm. so when I work, my video chats just die all of a sudden for no reason. When I play video games, it like gets really latent. And so I like decided, all right, well, let's just see if this is it. And I'll run, you know, like a cable through my home. So that's what I did. I ran a hundred foot ethernet cable from where the modem is and the router to my office and, Believe it or not, it makes a difference. <laughs> Are you telling me that it's more reliable to actually not depend on the air being pure? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Isn't mm-hmm. it crazy? It's like it's like thinking that my microwave is more reliable than <laughs> like a campfire or something. I don't know. Uh huh. Well, no. anyway, so so are you almost done with that? Uh, so no, I am basically. I'm at the acquire all the necessary drill bits, parts, fishing tape. Velcro strips, switches, rack mounts, you name it. Uh, and then the cable. Ironically, I'm going to have everything but the actual Ethernet cable <laughs> tomorrow. I actually think that that's a sign you're doing it right. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. No, I really do think that. Well, good. Because <laughs> I feel kind of dumb. <laughs> no, I think it's better that way. Because otherwise, you know, you feel like... It, it's sort of like if you if you budget time for a given thing and don't think about, like, cleaning up and putting things away. And yeah. you're like, like, you're just doing it wrong. You're doing it right. Yeah, so now I have all the parts and I've been, like, dry running them together. And I realize that, like, the patch cables I bought are too small. And so I need to get longer ones and so on and so forth. But, yeah, so that... And then I've been traveling like crazy for work. So my apologies, listeners, that... I have been so out of touch. Forget about the listeners here. Hey, let's let's Sean, focus on Hey, Nate. buddy. Hey, there buddy. I am so personal. sorry that I, <laughs> our messages have been fewer and less emoji-filled than in the past. So your mentioning of the, um, the ISP, like you could run your own ISP, um, it sort of a f- brings back a funny memory. Do you ever have those moments where you haven't thought of someone in you know 15 years? Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden something comes up and, and bang, all these memories come back? Yep. So I, I've known one guy in my life that built an ISP himself. And it's a tragic story. So like I, once you said it, I, I got, but like not tragic in the business sense, like humanly tragic. So it was, I even forget his name, which is, I wouldn't say it if I remembered it, but, um, I don't remember it, but I, I lived in Pittsburgh from maybe 2000, uh, around 2000 to 2003 or four. And, uh, one of the guys that I worked with was kind of a, uh, uh, 
I guess you'd call him like a blue blooder from Pittsburgh, kind of old money, you know, networked guy. So he knew a lot of the other Pittsburgh, you know, old money networked people, which created a lot of funny stories. But one of them was this guy who was like the, the rich kid son of one of the moneyed families in Pittsburgh. And he took some of his inheritance and built a Pittsburgh ISP that ended up doing really well. Oh, wow. So he went from like having money just because of, uh, you know, lucky sperm to, uh, having more money because of, uh, because of this ISP, but then things went real bad. <laughs> so when I met him, so this is a cautionary tale. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, uh he, I remember is the, the only time I've ever driven a, an AMG, um, sort of tricked out, uh, Mercedes G wagon. Remember those, the like boxy SUV Mercedes. He had one of those. It was the most ridiculously fast car. It was like as fast as a Porsche 911, except a big Mercedes G wagon and a really, really nice Ferrari. I mean, not to say that there are bad Ferraris, but this one was particularly <laughs> nice. Well, anyways, um, he is, uh, well, he's dead now and yeah, I know it's terrible. He, di- he died in like a, like front page of the paper or at least front page of one section of the paper, like cocaine and heroin and uh, whatever, you know, binge. I was hoping and you were going to say like the ISP became sentient and no, no, it was all, it was maker. tragic. It was like every after school special rolled into one. Don't, don't build an ISP. You'll die in a cocaine binge. Yeah. You saw that one, right? <laughs> yeah. Same, same thing happened to the head of AOL. That's why AOL went downhill. <laughs> yeah. Just more, more of it all. Yeah. Anyway, so so I, I, you distracted me for like three minutes with your mentioning of building an ISP because I remember this guy who I liked and who really, really didn't have a good ending. That's a bummer. Yeah. Man. Okay. So we let's tell uh, tell me one funny story about going to Dean Kamen's house, just to cut right to the chase, because I know you did, and you've mentioned none of it, and I'm <laughs> not going to have it. <laughs> oh, my God. Funny story. Hmm. Um, it doesn't end in tragedy, does it? Because frankly, we've yeah. we've reached our budget for tragedy. <laughs> no, I mean the guy's house is amazing. So Dean came in, the inventor of the Segway and head of First Robotics, uh, uh, allowed me a uh, very poor life choice into his home to uh, say thank you for GitHub uh, being a sponsor. And so uh, I think he listens, by the way. Hey, Dean. <laughs> I hope so. It was <laughs> it was a beautiful house. It's a huge mecha house. The house is a like a hanger on it. Now, is this the one that is on an island that you can access via helicopter? Is this the one? No, this is the landlocked New Hampshire home mm. that has a helicopter pad okay. on it. Um, I don't I knew, know. I knew, I knew one accurate detail and every other detail was wrong. <laughs> I don't know that anything particularly funny happened. His home was basically open to us and we were able to walk through. He has a Keurig. Which I was kind of surprised by. Really, <laughs> yeah, this mega because he's mega rich and his kitchen just has like a, a fancy ish Keurig, but it's still just a Keurig. <laughs> fancy Keurig. <laughs> did he? Uh, uh, did he say that? Like, oh, this is the finest Keurig. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I I built this by my by my own hands. Yeah, yeah to t- push water through this plastic cup. Yeah, to optimize the uh, the direction with which water flows through the grounds, I used too many gyroscopes and then saw knockoffs <laughs> come in from China that sold much better and yeah, it depressed me. Exactly. And now the Segway, the hoverboard now has a Keurig slot on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, 
it was a really cool home. I mean, uh, it was interesting because like he told a couple of good stories and, but he, he totally would, uh, mention like, uh, so I was on the phone. He said like, I was on the phone Thursday with, uh, uh, Bill Clinton, like that sort of pause, you know, like you're trying to remember your, your like friend's name, you yeah, know? like what you had for breakfast. And- right, right. Yeah. So I called, um, Sean Devine the other day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there yeah, were a couple would- of name drops like that, that made me uh, turn my stomach a tiny bit, but yeah, uh, I mean, nothing. I mean, really- does, he, does he have like sort of a funny affect in general or it was he just name dropping? He was just, you know, I mean, he kind of earned it. He had the governor of New Hampshire and the two senators there. So, I mean, one more person and you would have been able to, I don't know, stop the state of New Hampshire, probably. Did they all start singing one of these things is not like the other to you? (laughs) Wouldn't that be great if they just stood up and started to taunt you with your your not fitting in this? It was definitely New Hampshire centric. We'll say that for sure. Mm. but but no it was great i mean uh he has a lot of cool stuff in his house it was a little weird it would be like i i found it odd but maybe it's just because i've never been so passionate about something that he's that passionate about in my life like his house just like contains a ton of like inventor memorabilia and like early inventions like invention i mean if you got that much money you gotta buy some dumb stuff <laughs> so he had all that and then he talked very explicitly about how um patents like getting rid of them is a very horrible idea oh really yeah I wish. oh what did that must have turned you off it did <laughs> i oh, looked dude. at i looked at my wife and i was like and she gave me that look like don't you don't you say a effing word daigle <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? I wish I was there because I absolutely would have encouraged the opposite. It was well, it was like at that point when he mentioned that it wasn't like a private conversation. It was like an announcement to the crowd, you know, which I mean, it, like I could I can see his viewpoint because like he was like, well, I have only basically been able to make all this money by protecting the inventions that I created. Right. Because like if, if he made the, you know, the segue and its ultimate technology and then was unable to protect it and then everyone could do it, like he would not have a house with a helipad on it, probably. It's y- pretty off-putting, though, for being real. Well, no, but that's well, as, soon, as soon as he said that, I was like, ooh. <laughs> did, you, did you also say like, and, you know, gerrymandering is good. Like you should have just thrown in some other just awfully self-serving <laughs> comment that is offensive on its face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Jamie would have slugged you. <laughs> yeah, she would have totally for sure. Um, really, so, so do you have, do you have those impulses? Not to put you on the couch here, but like, do you have those impulses when someone uh, uh, like, Power, not, I don't know if he's powerful, but you know, moneyed or powerful says something that kind of is just on the surface offensive. Do you have the impulse to say something? So or do something? here's my problem, right? I mouth queef a lot. So like <laughs> where like whenever I don't think that's at all piece continue. That's the technical term. And <laughs> like whenever somebody says something to me that I find like impossible or pro- like just ridiculous. I I have a physical reaction that I really cannot stop unless someone physically alerts me that I'm doing it. Do you know what I mean? So like if someone was like, I, I think we should, you know, I don't know, uh, round up all the kittens in the world and just like throw them into a, a lake with a bag of rocks tied to them or something, you know, like I would go, uh, you know, like I make like noises with my mouth. Or, and so, like, I've gotten caught a couple times where somebody says something, and I'll just be like, 
or like, you know, whatever. And then they'll be like, oh, what do you mean, Kyle? And I'm like, all right, well, here we go. You know, it's like uh, you pop the cork on that one. Now, are you doing it on purpose? Are you like, oh, this no, is... No, I am just so befuddled that you, like, that, that you would say that, that I, I have, like, a visceral reaction. It's like the same you- as if somebody, like, does something horribly embarrassing. It's like visceral passive aggression. I like it. Yes, yeah. Listen, I was born and raised in New England. I was molded by it. <laughs> that's ha- that's how passive aggressive you are. Is that you? You have a physical passive aggression. Yeah, I have a physical reaction when somebody does something that any normal human being would either care nothing about or call out immediately. I just go. I, I, I'm like, it depends on the mood. I, I'm capable of absolutely making things awkward. Uh, really, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> There's never been a time where we've been like talking about something really unimportant. I'll be like, you know, I really like American cheese. And you'll just go like, how could you possibly like American cheese? <laughs> Do you know what that's made of? You know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but it's, I don't know. I'm not sure what how I would have reacted. All right. Let, let me quiz you on... Um, your decorum on this evening. I've got a handful of things I thought of. Okay. Did you bring a bottle of wine or any other gift? No gifts, no wine. They explicitly, really? they explicitly said they would not be serving alcohol at this event. No, I know. But like, if you're going to someone's house and you haven't been there before, you bring something. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, I could probably not afford anything that this gentleman enjoys. I'd be like, hi, uh, Mr. Kamen. Hi, Kyle Daigle. I, uh... Went out and got you this delicious bottle of fruitcake. I, I, <laughs> like I'm saying, I think I, I noticed you really enjoy the donut shop K cups, and so I, I bought you a box of those. Now that's a funny gift. <laughs> like the gore, or now how about the refillable ones? You know, yeah. um, being um, being a man that's concerned with humanity, you're probably also concerned about the landfill. Um, uh, contributions that your Keurig makes. Uh, so here, here is a refillable one and a uh, pound of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Yeah, I should say that I the event was rather large, even though it was at his home. So it's not like he noticed <laughs> that that Kyle Tagle didn't bring. He's your not like existence. Yeah, he's not like uh, called called over his uh, you know helper and was like, uh, come here, uh, make sure uh, Daigle doesn't get invited back next year. Well, here's the reason I think that it's a good strategy is that. I think anyone that is prone, I mean, not that I know Dean Kamen, but let's say anyone that I suspect may uh, have a view of themselves that's perhaps uh, more inflated than the average. Um, I think it's important to do things when you meet them that like passive aggressively set them on the same level as anyone else. So I'll give an example. So I, I'm not going to tell who, but so I've met because of my career, I've met some interesting people, but you know, over the years and, um, a couple years ago, I met one of the wealthiest people in the country, like significantly wealthier than Dean Kamen. Mm-hmm. And, um, or me. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or either of us. Uh, wow, he so, must be really rich. <laughs> yeah, right. So he, uh, uh, so it, now I actually know him reasonably well, at least mm-hmm. from a, a business standpoint. But at mm-hmm. the time, I, I did not. I had not met him before. First time we were going to meet, and uh, I noticed that he did not introduce himself to people, which I thought, like, in other words, he assumed everyone knew who he, who he was, and then he'd wait for them to, you know, or, or people would just come up and say, oh, you know, Mr. So-and-so's name. Um, so 
it kind of triggered this cascade of me finding ways to to have the person that's in that role, like Dean Kamen in your story or, or this extremely well-known billionaire in my story, to, you know, do things that regular people have to do. Like, hi, I'm Sean. You know, like, not, not <laughs> you assume who I am because I am, you know, rich. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I like the fruitcake idea. He's like, oh, you know, uh, thanks for inviting us to your home. You know, it's not much, but we brought you a, you know... There you yeah. go. Wow. I what like did you that. wear? I like that idea. I wore uh, nice jeans and a button-down shirt. <laughs> nice jeans. Yeah. <laughs> Reminded me of my 13-year-old. Dad, <laughs> Dad it, they're nice jeans. This yeah. is dressed up enough. They got like cargo cargo pockets on them. I mean, what could go wrong? Yeah, no. I was not dressing up legitimately for this thing. Sorry. Yeah. Did Jamie get more or less dressed up than you? I don't know. She wore a... Um, uh, like a a blouse and slacks, I guess. Did they make you wear um, helmets when you sat at the dinner table, like they do when you do one of those Segway tours? <laughs> no, no. Wait, was did. there a dinner table? I didn't even ask that. Not really. It was like heavy, it, heavy hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, it, it was like it was like it, they had dinner, but it was like uh, it was there were there were, was an inadequate amount of tables. Uh, but they had a cool thing like they where they printed off everyone's like name tag as you arrived, like which I thought was it sounds stupid, but like going to conferences, you know, and you always get there and they're like you're like Daigle, and they're like, oh, hold on, let me go through the five hundred and fifty of these things they had. So it was kind of cool to have them just printed off, and it was just right there and good to go. But they had like schedules and stuff. I don't know. It was pretty a corporate event just at at this gentleman's house in his hangar. Oh, it wasn't even in the house. I mean, it was in the house, but like the actual like presentation and whatnot. The largest space was this hangar, which was probably like I don't know two rooms that were like eighty by sixty, maybe. They give you a tour of the house. It was a self guided tour, like with your iPhone. Like with yourself and this little book, kind of. Really? It was nice. I mean, I don't want to knock the guy. He has a very nice house. He had a very cool-looking pool. The things I cared about, it was kind of funny now looking back at it. The things I cared about the most weren't, like, the particularly, like, lavish things he had. Because he did have a lot of things that were, like, just over this hop. Like, wow, I could never. You know, it was like, I really like the tile in this bathroom. <laughs> you know, like I wonder if I could buy this tile or, you know, if it was hand hewn. His uh he had a really cool like sitting room slash library slash like, you know, smoking jacket room. But yeah, it was pretty fun. He's a pretty the small man, was, right? Yes, he's not uh particularly tall. I mean I'm asking just to see if you could fit into his smoking jacket or if it'd no, be like a no, it'd be a ridiculous Saturday night. I life. would I would put it on and then I'd have to reenact the Hulk because if I if I just breathed while it was on me, I would rip it for Kyle sure. Kyle Daigle in a little coat. <laughs> Dude, so the next day though, like going to the first robotics kickoff, like uh I don't know if you're that familiar with it, but basically every year they announce a competition and then these high school students with help of mentors and corporate partners build these robots. And every year the competition is different. And so like I'm in this like gymnasium with like moving lights and projections and like all kinds of stuff at like Southern New Hampshire State University waiting for them to like announce this game and doing all kinds of like pleasantries and stuff that these high school kids like obviously do not care about at all. Uh, 
But like once they announce the game, and this year uh, it's called uh, Stronghold. It's basically, I mean, just Google it and watch the video. It's absolutely insane. It's so cool. I was totally nerding out. But like, I have never seen so much raw joy in one place. Like these high school students were so excited. Like, so excited. Like, a a degree of excitement I don't know that I've possibly ever felt in my life in the same sort of, like, visceral way of, like, they're running down to the track and they're measuring out, like, with tape measures, like, the um, playing field and all the different components because they had, like, a replica right there that you could look at so you knew when you went to go compete later what it would look like and everything. Um, I mean, is it the stereotypical, like, extreme nerdy teenagers not feeling self-conscious? Like, that kind of? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. I mean, in I like think an awesome I, way, though, <laughs> like no, in, I mean, in yeah, a yeah. jealous kind of feeling way, just because like they were so excited about this, and then like the end result is pretty amazing. You know, like granted, like you know, it's not like they're like okay, high school students figure it out on your own. You know, most of the teams have some sort of mentors that are like mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, and whatever. So it's not you know. It's not like a total crazy, like, oh, these really, you know, these teens are doing it all on their own. They're, they're, they're getting help for sure. But still, like, I would love to, like, have an adult version of that, <laughs> you know, because these robots are really cool. You know, we can solve that. Like, we, we have, uh, we're able to, to do whatever we want to. We just have to find the thing that, that would get us giddy like that. I know. I'm just not sure. It has to be game-based, I think. Mm, mm-hmm. There's some level of excitement because it's like an announcement, a fixed period of time in which you have to solve it, and then like, you know, the we're all in this together song playing in the background. Yeah. Well, it's the possibility of losing, you know, that I think creates the excitement, too. Like, in other words, there's like a lot in the balance. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I gotta tweet that later. It's the... <laughs> It's the possibility of losing which creates the excitement. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've been practicing life. my parental advice. Um, uh, speaking of excitement, let me tell you about Braintree. <laughs> the, the viscerally exciting sponsor of today's, or first sponsor of today's Ruby on Rails podcast. Uh, Braintree provides code for easy online payments. If you're building a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. Their V.0 SDK makes it easy to offer multiple mobile payment types. You can start accepting PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, credit cards, and more, all with a single integration. Uh, with the Braintree V.0 SDK, it just takes one small snippet of code and you're all set up in less than 10 minutes. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash railspodcast. Uh, we have talked about this before, but I'm going to plug my favorite thing, which is if you get stumped, they've got support there for you. Whether you're working in .NET or Node, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, Ruby, whatever language that they have the SDK for, um, they also have... Uh, uh, they, they support Android, Android, iOS, and JavaScript clients. But whatever you're working in, if you need help at the beginning or troubleshooting something that, that's uh, stumping you a bit, their uh, support engineers are ready and waiting. And Kyle has uh, verified that they uh, they actually are quite helpful. So anyhow, go to braintreepayments.com slash railspodcast. You're going to get $50,000 in transactions fee-free. Thanks to them for sponsoring this episode. All right. Well, that was a good story. You're welcome. And I feel I feel like it was a good story, and we we uh, you know poked at him a little bit without being rude. That was my goal. 
<laughs> no, I mean, he wasn't a bad guy at all, you know? I mean, it was, it was quite... I honestly think it was probably the first experience in my adult life where I um, interacted with someone in a mildly personal setting that was so, like, rich and affluent. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Like, it's one thing to be at a conference or an event and grabbing drinks with someone and being like, oh, you know, oh, it's great. You know, I totally don't understand what your life is like. But, like, when you're in their home, even though it wasn't, like, Kyle, please come have dinner with me. It was. It's still pretty. Uh, you know, it's just. It's kind of a a mind f for lack. Did you of a say something word. like, "Hey, do, hey, do you mind flipping the game on or anything else?" So, like you'd usually say. At <laughs> you know what's house? so funny? I don't know that there was a single television. Hmm. I don't recall seeing a single television. Demerit. Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's continue. Okay, so we've got two more topics. We don't have. Uh. Well, we're going we're gonna to reveal a little secret, which is we're going to rec- recording this episode in two parts. So this is oh, part boy. Oh, yeah. Part in the curtain now. Yeah, exactly. Why don't we just start on the next part, and I trust us to be able to pick up where we left off later. Uh, so Rails 5 coming out. It's coming out uh, soon. I don't think that there's a date announced. I'm, at least there wasn't last week when I looked. But it's uh, it's any day now. Now, scale of 1 to 10, how much are you caring about or thinking about this uh one really Uh, yeah i mean my my day-to-day job doesn't care about it and i am not motivated to look into it but also in some ways especially because the large features that it is bringing to the table are not in in my humble opinion not particularly interesting for like existing applications Mm. Uh, I think, well, let's go through some of them. Okay. Um, and I, I would like classify my interest as higher than a one for sure, but probably not higher than a five for somewhat similar reasons. Now I think I create more new applications than you do. Oh, for sure. Which may explain part of it. Um, but I don't know. Not, well, let's go through. Yeah. So, so the, the headline feature of rails five I think I mean I'm not sure if you'd say this, but I think is action cable. Would you say that that's what what that seems is, to be promoted the most? I, I I do believe so. Yes. All right. So action cable for anyone that's listening that has not yet read, and if you haven't, you should just go to uh, rubyonrails.org. They've got a blog uh, announcement. If you click on the blog link, where you can read about some of the content we're going to cover. But so action cable is a kind of like a. Um, WebSockets in a box setup so you can use your Rails app server to uh, rig up bi-directional communication with clients, uh, with JavaScript clients. And uh, it kind of comes with a series of conventions for setting up your channels and then both you know, sending messages and receiving messages on those channels to the clients. Do you think that, that is, is that a good yeah. enough uh-huh. intro? Yep. Um I so what's your take on on that? Is that interesting? I mean, I know you're not interested in general in Rails five, but is that is that feature interesting? Um, so am I, th- I going to have to carry this entire segment? That's basically what I'm asking. <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. uh, pass. No, I mean, I think it's interesting in so much that it changes some interesting defaults. I mean, so like as part of this is an accident, right? You can't be doing this with WebRick, right? And so you got to move over to a new. 
um, multi-threaded or multi-threaded-ish you know, system. And so they've chosen Puma. And so I find that to be an interesting move as a consequence of implementing this feature. But overall, I feel like existing applications, if you were going to do WebSockets, you weren't sitting there and going man, if only Rails did this for free, I'd implement it. Like, chances are, if you actually needed it, you went and did it on your own, whether you used um, a completely separate, you know, language and library. Like, if you went the, oh, we'll throw that up on Node route or whatever. Or if you hooked in Event Machine listening on a route, like, you know, most people probably did, then 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 you, you know, you, you got it done already. And so... I'm not like against this. I know there was a sort of visceral reaction when this got added. Like, well, why would this go into core? Like, eh, I kind of shrugged my shoulders at that. I don't really have a strong opinion there. But um, but I don't think that like, th- this isn't going to be like a Rails 4 situation where everyone was like, wow, we got to get on Rails 4. You know what I mean? Um, I feel yeah, like most thanks. people are going to be like, eh if you need it you'll move if not you'll probably take some time and and move over because of you know um some of the smaller changes yeah i think that that's about, i think i feel almost identically about action cable i think so i've had the need that action cable attempts to solve before and like you said i haven't had trouble solving it like there are solutions i i think that the kind of a one-size-fits-all solution like action key, like a default here is how Rails does communication with, you know, real-time, so to speak, communication with the client. I don't I don't love that in that I, I think that the approach you should use depends on your circumstances. I mean, like everything. But most situations that I've seen don't need bi-directional communication at all. Yeah. You know, you can just use normal AJAX requests yeah. on the on the inbound side. You know, on the request side, and then use uh, um, something that um, uh, doesn't require WebSockets in particular, which I think are, are more difficult than some of the other protocols on the you know the get side or on on the you know, the other side. And you know, I think that that so I've read up on what other people think, and this seems to be the consensus, which is those that you know have needed to do something like what WebSockets supports. Um, almost never need bidirectional communication or the the headaches that that it brings with, and I and I wonder why you know why go that way. Um, but I also don't care a lot because they're <laughs> like those other solutions are around, and it's not like this makes the cost of using you know I don't know message bus or a third party commercial product like Pusher or whatever. Um, it's, it's not like it makes that more difficult. Yeah. Uh, I don't like, I think it's a little smelly to use the, your application server as the same server that's got all the connections open too. Um, like, I don't think it's awfully smelly, but I think it just, something's a little smelly about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a smaller application, it's perfectly fine. But I suppose that as you get to something bigger, a more bespoke solution is probably called for anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing that came in with Action Cable I had use for many times um, before, which is, uh, and now I don't because I use mostly just Rails as the API and then render things in the client. But did you see that, that there's this Action Controller renderer now, which is basically like a a not hack way to render something kind of out of bounds of a request, you know, just to sort of anywhere render something. Oh, man. I, I I had to deal with that for a couple of years. You know, I had my own solution to what they call action controller render. And that, now I don't render on the server and I don't care. But boy, I really, really, really would have liked that then. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree that Puma instead of Webbrick is interesting. I think it's a good move. I think that um, 
it, it sort of reduces uh, an unnecessary thing to understand for someone new. Which yeah. is like, why is the default never the thing you should use? Yeah, right, right. Uh, all right, so that's number one. So I, th- I think that to summarize our feeling, Action Cable is kind of meh. <laughs> meh? <laughs> two out of two mehs from Sean and Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> like, so not bad, uh, but uh, I thought that the, uh, I'm not sure if you read it, but the blog post that Sam Saffron put out uh, about um, WebSockets, and then he links to another uh, couple of articles that are super smart. Um, that also relate is a great place to start if you want a more thorough discussion of the pros and cons of hmm. Action Cable. It's excellent. Yeah, I mean, as is just about everything that he's ever written, but I thought it was really A+. plus. Okay, number two. I think we got time for one or two more before our break. Uh, API mode. Uh, any thoughts on API mode? Oh, so before we say that, what API mode is is basically when you create a new Rails project, you can pass... Um, a flag, I, th- I think it's dash dash API, but I'm not positive, um, to uh, create a project that does not include all of the functionality that you um, don't need if you're using Rails as an API only, you know, if you're just rendering JSON. Um, I think this is important for not technical reasons. So there's technically who cares? I've, I've done a bunch of applications now, you know, that use Rails as an API, like at least a dozen that are real applications that are out there running. And uh, it is like never once was like, oh man, this is really killing me to rip out the parts that I don't want. You know, it just, yeah. it just never was a problem. The thing that I thought was important about this is that it is, it is sort of um, putting a stake in the ground that Rails is as interested in being a solution to that problem as it is a server rendered solution. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a it's it's sort of a headlining feature of Rails five. I think it caused DHH to have to really struggle with. You know, is he okay with this? And if if it uh, if there was a refusal to add API mode, it would have sort of signaled some bad things to come. I think um, just because it's like why not? It seems like all upside to do. And if there's like a philosophical problem in Rails against using Rails as you know, a server where, where the client's doing all the rendering, I would, uh, I would have really not liked it. Yeah. Um, so I'm like good on that side and it does, it'll cut out a few, you know, some minutes and some mistakes, uh, and probably increase performance by taking out some middleware that maybe I don't always remember to take out. So it's kind of good, but not like, uh, like you said, it's, it's just a good for new apps, not a huge deal, but probably good, good, uh, uh, you know, a good sign at the very least. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I I think, I think it's a good option just like in general, you know, I mean, like it seems like it's, it, I'd be curious about trying this out just for the sake of not getting all the like quote unquote bloat of, you know, our rails application, because you could in theory just run it this way and then add in the things you need instead of, you know, flagging mm-hmm. it the opposite direction and saying like, I don't want actor record. I don't want this. Um, but I, I do think that it's worth considering, you know, if you need like active record or active model, then, you know, it's probably makes sense to go this route. But otherwise I would say it's probably better to just ignore rails altogether. Like I know that's sort of a, kind of stupid thing to say only because most applications are you know backed by a database and you'd like to query that through active model and whatnot but if that's not your jam i mean i i think that there's a case to be made so just 
avoid rails altogether and just use Sinatra or, you know, Lotus or whatever. Um, but I think that, like you said, I think doing this is an interesting sort of, um, signal, you know, that rails is making, you know, saying the project itself saying, yeah, we acknowledge that, you know, this is potentially one, you know, future is just having, you know, API based things and, let's not force people to have to gut their application just so they can return a, a blob of JSON. And Rails has done a lot of work over the years, especially two versions ago, to be modular in like many in many ways that most people don't take advantage of. So, I mean, it's got it, so why not use it a bit here, right? Look, yeah. it's, it's pretty, like my mom always said. Uh, my mom didn't actually say that. If you got to <laughs> use it. I, I, I felt bad as soon as I made the joke. <laughs> But no, I th- so whatever. It's good, uh, uh, a good signal at the very least. Uh, okay, next item on my list is the sort of integration of the Rails command and the rake command. Mm. Um, you know, so this is one where if you've developed on Rails for any amount of time, like it just does not matter. You know, like I don't remember the last time that I've been like, oh, goddamn, which one is it supposed to be? You know, my bundle exec raking or rails something or other, you know, I just, but, but I think that it, it does make sense that the number of issues from new developers that come up about this is high. Yeah. Um, so great. It makes it more friendly. Fine. Seems good. Yeah. I could, I couldn't possibly think of anything else to say about it. Yeah. Just, I, I mean, I just do what I do, which is. You just string all the commands together always. So it's like bundle exec bin rake bin rails <laughs> server and just hope that one of those things actually does what you mean it to. So you're like just belt and suspendering all of your your commands. Exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's an approach. <laughs> all right. Next on my list, the attributes API. Did you read up on this? Uh, no, I did not, unfortunately. Okay. All right, so the Attributes API, I think, is a very good feature, and it, it basically allows you to declare an attribute on a, um active record model. Uh, I'm sure it's actually on an active model class, but anyhow, on an active record model is usually where you'd be doing it. And you can declare... Uh, uh, declare an attribute and its type. This is the thing that I'm interested in at least. So for example, you could say like, you know, attribute, um, purchase amount, and then call it a type, like, I don't know, currency. And then the getter and the setter would use that type. And I, I haven't, I haven't actually used it yet, but th- there were some features in rails that allowed you to, to do that in the past. Actually, I forget the, I forget the um, method that, or the the what do you call it the macro you'd use to to set this up, but it was super janky and yeah. uh, was bug ridden and it wasn't fully featured. And this is like a first class implementation of um, that gives you more control of sort of what that attribute that's stored in the database will become in your application. You know, like so if you have a value object you want to instantiate through that class. It makes it super easy and then handles the reverse side on the setter too. So I think it took a huge amount of work to get that right. I think that was a very sort of low level rip the guts out of a part of active record change. And, uh, I actually think that's a pretty big deal. (laughs) I can, I can tell you agree. 
So I am I am I am so mixed on this having just dealt with serialized attributes which does the same exact thing minus persistence basically as best I can tell. Um yeah, I mean it's like a it's a particular version of that. Although serialized attributes is sort of like saying okay, we're um, uh or oftentimes especially in the case you were dealing with which is you're like chucking an object into the database. Yeah. Um, I think that's a little bit different than saying like, I want this attribute, which is a string when I deal with it in my application, I want to deal with an instance of a value object class, you know, that then has additional behaviors on top of it. Yeah. I feel like that's a little, you're kind of like decorating this more primitive thing with behavior that, that you, that you want given that you know what it is. I think that that's, that seems sort of fundamentally good as compared to, to instead, like the problem you had was instead of having things in columns, I'm going to just sort of have this more flexible structure in one big blob. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that my reaction is mainly around like trying to figure out if having an attribute, which is an array and then just like working on it directly is better, like is the best method instead of, you know, just having this like, object hidden behind some like intention revealing methods and just calling those instead. Um, the the array examples, I think interesting and that you could imagine, like, let's say you had a class that, that implemented innumerable and you know, so instead of it just being sort of a naked array, it also had some other capabilities and you want when you're dealing with that attribute of the model to, to have that, that more powerful collection um, instance instead of, you know, a, a, a primitive array. I get that. I think that's nice. It doesn't seem like it has a lot of cost. Do you think so? Um, no, I don't think it has a lot of cost. I, I, I've seen, like, I guess my working on the serialized attributes thing, I had a lot of cases where, um, working directly on the array was sometimes a little gross because of the way that arrays, um, handle or, internally can call concat when you're like pushing and pushing onto an array and plus equaling an array and whatnot. And so like there were some silly little bugs there where, um, where we were having some issues with, uh, basically memoizing the array and whatnot. And so obviously I think that some of this is going to just be eaten up, you know, by, by what, what this attributes, what, you know, can do for you. Cause it's just all sort of handled, now um but uh, yeah i mean i guess you know i'm probably neutral here as well in some ways you know like it it seems like a not horrible thing to do does this give me automatic like changed and dirty stuff because that would be pretty cool it looks like it i think so yeah Mm -hmm. see that that's good because at least on the version of rails that we're on like doing dirty on a arbitrary attribute is almost impossible (laughs) yeah i think that it was i mean i think that that was making sure that there's parity between uh, attributes that are, uh, you know, are value objects and attributes that are just sort of more traditional rails um, um, attributes. I think that that was a large motivation. Yeah. So I'm with you because, you know, that was one of the reasons why I I tended to stay away from that feature along with a couple others is that then you have to kind of keep in your mind, well, is, you know, this is a special type of attribute. It's not really an attribute in the way that others are. So I can't really count on it being, 
behaving the same way. And I think this, this, you know, makes all attributes go through that same yeah. uh, engine, which is good. Yep. Yep. No, I agree with that. Totally. Um, you have to go to your meeting. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to pause and then continue. <laughs> to, to, don't, don't, don't touch that controller. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be one second from right now. We'll be back. And we're back. Man, that was the fastest meeting I've ever had. Woo, if only all meetings were a, a second long. <laughs> hey, Kyle, not all meetings. I made so I, I had. Do you ever have those moments with uh, other people in your life where you make a joke that totally resonates on Twitter, yes. or like <laughs> with programmers that falls flat in every way? I made like a not all not all babies joke the other day. Uh, oh boy, didn't work at all. <laughs> oh boy, nope. Too soon. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, I had to try to explain the joke and, yeah, it's even worse. Okay. So we, uh, we were in the middle of an enthralling recap of the Rails 5 uh, features. So far, we've done Action Cable, API Mode, Rails Command, uh, and the Attributes API. So far, the, uh, your pulse has reached 72 once. I think <laughs> I would I would probably say that it's like my pulse is whatever your pulse is when you wake up from sleep but don't leave the bed yet. <laughs> it's like I'm awake and cognizant of these things but mm. if I just lay here I'll still be in a solid 60. Yeah, pretty snarky. Pretty snarky. <laughs> I am Bagel. in the zone. <laughs> okay, so I have uh I have three more things left on my list of headlines and of course there are many more details and I got a feeling that not to jump to the to conclusion here but I got a feeling that Rails 5 is going to be more interesting in the details than it is the headlines almost yeah, completely for sure like all the little like okay here's an example um and not that I I'm that interested in this one but um, they added an or method to active record relations so that you don't have to like drop down into query string building when you want to or together conditions. Um, I bet that that single feature will provide most programmers more joy than like all the other headlines combined. Yeah. Right. Um, not that I, I sort of feel like people's obsession about or not existing in the way they wish it uh, did to be a little silly, like it's just not that difficult to construct the query string, but you know, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. I mean, like I, people are uh, obviously pretty passionate about having, you know, clean and elegant and, uh, you know, just so code. And, uh, if this helps them get there, well, yay. Yeah. Uh, Paul's still at a 72. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I... Yeah, it's... Uh, man. I don't know. Like, I, I think that... I, I think this is going to be, for the majority of long-running projects, an upgrade where you go, oh, they fixed that thing that was bugging me. Mm -hmm. All right. And then you just go about your normal day. Which, honestly, I think is a good thing. <laughs> like, I think, I think at this point, Rails is probably acknowledging, at least in some regard, that, like... It can't, you know, it can't just uh, make huge changes anymore. It's not a spring chicken, you know. It's like you're th it's 35, and it realized that its knees aren't doing as good as it used to, and it should just focus on a nice, solid pace and not really, you know, giant changes, I think. 
this is hitting way too close to home, by the way, this comment. Uh, so you realize that I'm at a point in my life now, I've got such bad back pain that I literally cannot sit down. So I have not sat down for a single second today. Um, well, I'm and, sorry you're in pain. <laughs> like um. li- literal pain. And it's not like, you know, like there was the phase of my standing desk existence where I was like, oh, this seems like a good thing. I read the articles and, you know, got persuaded by a couple of friends that, you know, this is going to help me live longer. I am, I've graduated past the, uh, like vitamin stage of standing desk usage to the, uh, it's this or narcotic stage of standing desk usage. That's where I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyhow, me and rails piece in a pod. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like narcotics or standing. I think that, um, I think that, or uh, this or feature, I think is sort of for me personally is railing against a trend that I have, which is to embrace the database sort of more directly, not less. Yeah. I do think this is a little bit funny. So, you know, for example, I, um, for a new, relatively new project that I'm working with, I ditched schema.rb and like, I can't believe I didn't do it sooner. Um, because now I can use, um, I can use Postgres's features, you know, more fully and not count on being able to like reconstruct the database off of that file um, because it only supports certain things. So I'm like, and I'm using PostGIS. I've used PostGIS for a long time, but I'm using it, I think, in more interesting ways and better ways. I'm using, you know, database triggers more effectively and custom functions. And like, so it, this has caught me at a point in my development life that it, it, I couldn't be more whatever on a feature like or, <laughs> but like, I think, you know, it's like a, what's a good example. I mean, I, I st- it's like if green day came out with a new album right now. So like, there's a point in my life where I would have been extremely interested in Green Day coming out with a new album. And now I like, I'm like not against the idea, and I probably would listen to it, but it just doesn't excite me like it once did. I'm at a different place. <laughs> That's Or. <laughs> or. Or is a new Green Day album. Every, every once in a while, you just want to sit down and crank some jagged little pill and rock out <laughs> to some old school Atlantis, but like you don't want to hit any of the new stuff because it's like, yeah. I mean... If you're past I, it. Yeah, I know what you're there for, right? <laughs> I have not listened to that album in quite a while. T- tune it up. They just they just released a new remastered version. So really, Mer- Merry Christmas. Someone needs a new hot tub. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. So uh, what about what about the most important thing in this list? Uh, I only have one more in my list of important things. What uh, is what is it? Uh, uh, if you're stuck using active record callbacks, not having the last statement be false, like ruining your filter chain. A hundred percent. Exactly what my next item was. <laughs> I mean, the batches one was pretty good too, but <laughs> right No, I had, so I had quote active record callbacks now halt with abort instead of false exclamation point. Yeah. <laughs> now that is one I got to say that that's good because that's a, that, I've avoided this bug enough now that it, it's not a huge thing anymore. But man, these can be tough to find if you're not used to this issue. Um, so fine, seems good. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I think they buried the lead, as they say. <laughs> hey, boss, let's upgrade to Rails five because now uh, 
if I return false, it won't unexpectedly stop well, the, the callbacks. I could just hear all the people going, well, if you were a good engineer, you wouldn't be using active record callbacks <laughs> in the first place. So. Active record callbacks are an anti-pattern uh, headline. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag anti-pattern. Hashtag <laughs> Rails 3. Lol. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, uh, and I'd say this is, while this not, is not part of Rails 5, part of the Rails, Rails 5 marketing is the uh, Rails doctrine, uh, which uh, you can read at rubyonrails.org slash doctrine. And like, you know, fine. Uh, I, like I, I didn't, I didn't find anything sort of massively off-putting about it, and I didn't find it terribly interesting either. Did you read it? No. Yeah, I mean, it's all stuff you've heard before, but the eight sort of bullets, and they don't really, maybe except for one, they don't really require more description. Is optimizer optimize for programmer happiness, convention over configuration. Uh, funny thing about that bullet is that the C in configuration is is capitalized. But it's not like the list is title cased, so I, I, I wonder. There's got to be something to that. <laughs> Convention over big C configuration. Uh, the menu is omakasa, no one paradigm, exalt beautiful code, value integrated systems, pro- progress over stability, <laughs> which is a that was the cringeworthy one, um, and push up a big tent because like I, I feel like all the all like some of them I don't care about tremendously now. Some I think are fine, like they're they're motherhood and apple pie kind of fine, but the progress over stability seems like directly in conflict with where Rails is at. Uh, it's sort of the stage of its life cycle. That'd be like if I was at at you know about forty and with a bad back was like risk taking over health. You know, it's like what <laughs> you know. Oh man, it just doesn't. It didn't match. It doesn't match my current state. <laughs> Man, so many tweets. That's so good. <laughs> so whatever, you know, I think uh, my guess is that this list gets refined and we may not see certain parts of it in the current state for long, but whatever, you know, fine to read. All right, let's summarize Rails 5. Shrug? Shrug, followed by, wait a second, filters don't stop at false? <laughs> Shrug slash, hey boss, no more bugs because uh, of callbacks, uh, uh, callback errors, uh, hashtag, what'd you say it was hashtag anti-pattern? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fine. And I, one of the things that I feel about Rails is that uh, now is I still really like Rails, but the fact that it's, you know, pretty mature and its base features are pretty well worn and, uh, you know, are the, the base and I'd say not just the base features, but the, the, the gem ecosystem as well is now pretty mature and pretty stable means that I've got cycles to work on other things like getting good at Ember or, uh, watching NBA games. And, uh, you know, that's good. So what is, what is an NBA? (laughs) What is this NBA? you speak of uh it would really on my list of things that would make you a better friend that's on the list (laughs) oh man oh wow there's just too many damn games sean like there should be 10 games a year that's why i like nascar is because every saturday there's a race or every sunday i guess really 
And like, that's it. That's all you got to worry about. And you miss two and you come back and you're good. With basketball, I got to know like how many freaking people, like 150 people. It's a lot more than 150, I think. You think? Well, I mean, depends on... How many teams are there? 30. 30 people? How many NBA teams are there? I'm really showing my lack of... uh, There are 30 teams. Yeah, 30 teams. And on each, I'd say that, you know, if you want to be like a casually into it fan, you'd have to know three per team. If you wanted to be like a real nerd into it i'd say you'd need to know at least six per team okay i'm at like i'm at i'm a level two casual major league baseball fan so i could describe maybe 20 players (laughs) i I, I could describe 20 hats (laughs) there's the there's the red one the white one there's the birds on the bats uh there's two different socks There you go. All right. So so Rails 5, I think that we should close it up. I mean, uh, fine. I think it's interesting for me watching the, the Rails upgrade process and the Ember upgrade process because I'm pretty you know involved in both now. And uh, it, they're so different. Like the, the amount of community involvement on the Ember side is so much higher. They release every six weeks. There's a deprecation process that, that you know, gives you a heads up on what's coming out you know, well in advance. And I mean, it hasn't always been this, this good, but I mean, this is where they are now. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's kind of bureaucratic. I mean, I think that you could look at it and, and like, I think DHH may look at it and be like, you know, uh, uh, really that this is taking all the fun out of it. But... Man, if you've got applications that are uh, depending on not screwing up upgrades, it's really responsible and really nice. And um, I think shows sort of the difference between the leadership of that project and Rails. And I think what Rails has going for it is that it's just so big that, you know, it... I just can't imagine that any giant sort of breaking changes would be introduced. There'd just be a, I think there'd be a fork or a mutiny or, you know, people losing their minds. Um, so that, that kind of prevents that sort of inertia or lack thereof prevents, uh, big changes. But man, I, I, now that I've seen how Ember handles the same process, it's really superior, I think by, by quite a margin. Hmm. Anyways, there we go. I don't know when I'll first upgrade uh, an app. I've, I probably, uh, given that I'm involved in JSON API resources, I probably should should get on reviewing the PRs and <laughs> getting involved with the ones that bring compatibility. But as long as, I mean, that's my big, um, like sort of heavily integrated dependency that I have to make sure is good. But I'll probably upgrade after that, see how it is, so I can come back and talk about it. Cool. Mm-hmm. I will be. I know you won't. So, uh, so one yeah, of us has not to. doing that. Uh, <laughs> not, not gonna be able to do it. Not gonna do it. I'm just gonna put a pull request in the GitHub, GitHub, and be like, guys, we're on Rails five now. I dare. So, has anyone created an issue? Rails five support. Oh boy, let me Google real quick. <laughs> I'm just gonna Google the phrase, or we'll search the phrase Rails, Rails five. five. Rails mm-hmm. five. Rails CVEs. Does that count? No. <laughs> so no one's done it? No, no one's done it. Now, so give me a little peek into the, uh, some insight into the culture of GitHub. If, I feel if, like if you were to do that, you'd be the one volunteering. <laughs> and that's why jokes shan't be made. <laughs> so, no, but if you, so if you created an issue, Rails 5 support, and like, you know, let's say you said nothing else. 
or like you know uh, given that rails 5 is about to come out like link to blog post i wonder if you know anyone's taking a look at rails 5 support is that would that get like a good hearty laugh or nothing? there'd be a lot of m- mouth queefs i think <laughs> But, I mean, everyone would know you're joking, I assume. I'm not sure. <laughs> They'd be like, I don't know, that Daigle, he, he, could, be, he could be serious. It'll get lost in translation from Connecticut to wherever. Yeah, they'd be like, I don't know, it does fix the callback bug, so... That reminds me that Daigle works here. Uh, ah! <laughs> That's weird. Huh, I thought we took care of that. Just, yeah, hey, Kyle, nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, all right, so let's uh, let's get to our last segment. Shipped it, shipped it. Brought to us uh, or brought to you in partnership with App Signal. If you haven't used App Signal for uh, Rails monitoring, I suggest you do. So I had a conversation with their team the other day, and they are all set for Rails five. It was actually an interesting conversation in that uh, I asked about it, made sure everything was looking good, and they said that like so little changed in the. Part, uh, parts of Rails that they interface with, which is not a little part of Rails, by the way. <laughs> right. So this is like a like you'd think it could go terribly wrong that it was like a single tiny pull request to do one thing and, and Rails five support, um, which I think probably speaks to the the internals of Rails are pretty stable from four to five. And if you're thinking about using App Signal, you know you're good to go. Um, anyhow, so uh, t- let me tell you a bit about what app signal is going to do for folks that try them out. So if you use the code shipped it, S H I P P E D it shipped it, then you're going to get uh, so you get a month free as a sort of the standard deal from app signal. But if you use the code shipped it, you'll get an additional month free. So two full months free on the service. Um, and I, uh, I've been a paying user for a long time now. It is great. Uh, check it out. We're going to go into some more detail about some of the features that uh, I've used that I like and sort of how to get the most out of it. But for now, just go check it out. Then you can follow along uh, as we do that later. Again, code shipped it. Go to appsignal.com and uh, shipped it. You'll get a free month in addition to the uh, the free month. So last time we, we had shipped it, we talked about your... Um, ongoing effort to replace a serialized attribute with um, uh, columns in the database. Yes. Uh, and I believe I made a joke about uh, uh, about the process of removing that column, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to which you shrugged and said, you know, oh, amateur. Oh, no For big, me... No big deal. I am a professional developer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a hack like you, uh, <laughs> maybe. For a pro like me... Now, how many how many uh, eng- or computer programming classes have you ever taken in your life? Like c- college level classes? Uh, one. Okay, so, so exactly, you've taken uh, in- <laughs> infinitely more than I have. <laughs> pro, and, and therefore you're the pro. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, uh, how did it go? Where oh, are you right now? Boy, I am somewhere. Tell you what. Uh, so yeah. So last time we talked, I did all that, and I was I talked about science and how. Don't worry, I'm going to science this, and it's going to prove how good I am. You were a little smug about that part, I guess. Oh, uh, but that's all right because somebody tweeted me saying they use science for the first time because of my smugness. So as long as I'm helping people, I'll be as smug as I damn well please. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, That'd be great if a uh, university changed their their you know sort of business. Uh, certificate titles to have marketing just be a, a, a minor in smug smugness <laughs> <laughs> professional smuggery yeah smuggery anyhow uh, 
So you were smug about it, something you yeah. encouraged other people, then what happened? And then I used it, and it just showed me how wrong I was. <laughs> so part of, my, part of my problem with removing the serialized attribute is I didn't really want to attempt to refactor the entire calling path. And so we talked about using attributes in Rails 5, how it allows you to like work directly on an array and a hash as an object, as an attribute. And so I was essentially mimicking that. Uh, and um, I was doing some weird things with like kind of like memoization and and whatever else and uh are you telling me caching can create bugs is that what i'm hearing never never oh, i see Continu- uh, continue and, and so like one of the problems i which i honestly didn't know uh kind of embarrassing was that when you do a push onto an array it's doing a concat call underneath the hood um and so there's a bunch of places where because of the way i was storing the array uh that every time we tried to push into the array it wouldn't actually be written to the underlying structure it would just be like kind of like written to the that instance of uh the array which was kind of a little bit weird like so, so you, you had a copy as value deal then. right right yeah. and so i had to fix that <laughs> because scientist was like hey buddy you know you said you had all these things uh like equal well guess what they're not you know and that's kind of great though oh no scientist is awesome so if i if i sounded smug and you weren't like wow i should use this and you were like wow that guy's an (laughs) a-hole then you should use it because here i am eating crow and uh and it actually saved a huge problem uh so what i'm hearing so far is that scientist the gem got a thumb up uh amateur the programmer got yeah yeah thumb sideways yeah barely sideways yeah <laughs> and reviews are coming up too so hopefully no one i could have actually listens to this podcast um, <laughs> no but that's great i mean hey that's the that's sort of what that process is for yeah 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 and scientists did, did its job and so luckily i was able to go in and sort of refactor things but sort of got caught up again with um rails 5 uh attribute fixing this because uh on the version of rails that we're on there wasn't an easy way or a clean way maybe rather to uh have an attribute be tracked for its dirty state uh so so that was a manual little addition uh and then i ran into my favorite of bugs MySQL deadlocks. Mm. Oh, so dun, quick, dun, quick comment dun. on the dirty, <laughs> quick comment on the dirty state before the deadlock. Yeah. So I, I read. Uh, so in in Ember, you know, it unsurprisingly has a you know has dirty attribute, you know, some sort of similar dirty watching deal, and the feature is not that great. Like for the simple case, it's very much actually in line with what you're saying. So for the simple case, works fine. Uh, as soon as you get into more complicated issues, things get get dodgy. Like for example, if um, uh, if you have an array, or if you have like a has many relationship to something that you're pushing onto, it won't flag it as dirty. So anyway, so I I uh, in the process of learning what these quirks are, uh, I, I came across this comment thread where Yehuda Katz uh, ended up sort of denying some requests to add more dirty functionality to Ember um, because he said that he thinks fundamentally dirty tracking is an application level idea that you can't have a generic solution to and be confident in it, which is interesting because that's sort of, you know, what you're running into. And I've ended up agreeing with him that like, you know, I've just rolled my own dirty implementations for anything beyond the, the simple case and then limited the number of ways you can change the, 
uh, the attributes of the, you know, the number of ways you can dirty the thing so that you just in the setter handle it. And I learned a lot doing it. So it's just interesting to hear you sort of struggle through the same thing. Yeah. So I would agree roughly. I mean, I think the big problem with rails is that, um, that's a, that's a good podcast uh, name. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of The Big Problem with Rails. I'm your host, Kyle Dick. No, no, no. I would agree with you roughly. <laughs> oh, oh, great. <laughs> 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 I, th- I think, like, I think the big problem is that when you, like, I think models are, uh, like, breeding grounds for this sort of, like, confusion because because you can, like, because you can directly act on the record itself. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that's where all the grossness comes in in terms of dirty tracking. And then you go, well, I want everything to be dirty tracked in rails because if, if I can just say like update attribute and suddenly screw this, the whole, the pooch on this whole thing, uh, you know, then it, it makes it a lot less clear. And so I did end up creating a couple of like intention revealing methods that allow us to mutate on the, the column that I have here, but that still doesn't stop me from, you know, someone else screwing me over. And so, active record callbacks to the rescue <laughs> uh to to sort of set that for me and then i can read it back to do some audit logging and tracking of what changed that sort of thing i like that the solution was active record callbacks it's great yeah just return false at the end and nothing will go wrong <laughs> yeah it won't, uh, fa- it won't fail at least not that way yeah exactly uh so yeah the last thing that uh, i kind of got stuck with and we're still we still haven't shipped this so spoiler alert see you next week uh is MySQL deadlock. So basically, because I am now storing N records with a single association, so a hook can have many events, um, I need to keep the events uh, in sync, basically, without exposing the records to the user. So I'm, or to the developer or through the hook interface. And so if you call hook.events, um, I'm not actually returning the records back to you. I'm just returning the event names. Um, and there's a, the, the actual association is named differently. Um, and so that way the interface stays exactly the same. But the problem with that is that every time you do that, you need to basically go and say, okay, what hooks have been added? What hooks have been removed? And now let's act on MySQL to make it so, you know? Um, and then in that process, I realized that by using... Uh, and in and selecting inside of the transaction that inevitably wraps the beginning and the end of you know you calling save uh created an instance of a mysql deadlock because my hypothesis which has not been uh, entirely proven but it's been fixed so i'm hoping that was exactly what the problem was was basically because of the way that uh it was doing gap locking uh which is when What's it's that lo- yeah, so my best understanding, and I'm a couple weeks removed from this, so my apologies if I'm overly wrong, but um, basically when it's looking for uh, for records as well as inserting records for, uh, I guess just inserting records for a column that has a unique uh, index on it, uh, unique index constraint, it needs to make sure that when you're inserting them, you're not accidentally like creating a duplicate you know something that would be indexed in in returned false mm-hmm. you know and saying oh boom this is bad and so when you do that it kind of like goes and just sort of like 
locks these little like, gaps between where these new records are created and so then when you go and you try and delete them you're ultimately dealing with this like lock contention which is what when the deadlock actually happens and so i was able to uh basically change the way i was doing it so that way i would um not uh i think i ended up doing like the deletions first or something and 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 it finally sort of worked out i'm gonna see if i can pull it up real quick just so i'm not speaking out of class here but so it I was like say I just decided to sleep 300 milliseconds and things seem fine. Yeah, yeah, that was the <laughs> other suggestion that someone had, and I was like, you know what, you sound pretty smart. So, <laughs> have you considered sleeping? <laughs> um, oh, oh. So what it was? I'm sorry. Now I remember. So what it was was. Uh, Besides the lock, I was doing a basically where not in, you know, like like delete the names where they're not the names that are in in this relationship are not in the new set of event names. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Which the implicit, you know, lookup there, it was presumably what was causing ca- causing the problems. And so now I just instantiate a couple of sets, basically saying. What were, the, what were the old ones? What were the new ones? So thusly, which ones were added and which ones were removed and then acted directly on those Ruby sets uh, instead. So when I have a problem like this, I end up almost always getting this sort of sneaking, this like kind of nauseous feeling that the problem is due to some complication in sort of the way I implemented it in the first place that this is now revealing. Do you think this is a case of that or do you think Oh that, hell yeah. Yeah. This whole thing is a giant cluster right now. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, like I said before, like it, we we do not expect to be able to act and hide this relationship in Rails, you know, and the the code should really probably care about the records even though I don't really want it to. And because of the life cycle of the rest of the class, I have to like allow for this normal active record callback structure, normal editing and updating and deleting whatever, when I really don't want any of that. I really just want to like have a hook created and then only work through these like particular methods that will do exactly what I need it to do. Um, but unfortunately, that can't be the case without rewriting all of the inbound calls as well and all, hoping, all of github yeah in yeah. hoping that nobody goes oh hooks an active record model so let's just do this one thing so a real refactor would probably include you know removing the hook like record class you yeah. know but like that's not going to happen you know there's there's some degree of diminishing returns when the rest of the entire code base uh doesn't do it that way so if I had my act together, I would have looked at how to use AppSignal, given that we're partnered with them on this uh, segment, to do the, the tracking of scientists out in production. Because I know you can um, sort of fire off the events. What do you guys use now? Like, uh, uh, like, like uh, what are you reporting out the results of the scientist calls to? Uh, it's a uh, we we graph them all to Graphite, and then we pull that's up, right. Okay. We pull it up internally. Yeah. But yeah, and then, and then it shamed and shames you. <laughs> it shows you like a little like red, yellow, green bar for every like time series, and so if you have any mismatches, it'll be like yellow, and if it's like totally mismatched, then it'll be red. Are you almost uh, done now? Uh, so there's a couple of complications around just like the fact that uh, GitHub Enterprise right uh, ships 
out on a scheduled basis and we can't control when those customers upgrade their instances which means that at some point we would like to be able to remove the serialized attribute gem but not uh but we can't do we can't totally remove it because we need it to unserialize or deserialize the attribute fields so that during the upgrade when they're going from version like let's just say one to two two won't have serialized attributes but they're going to run some code saying let's move over uh you know so we got to pull we basically have to uh, abstract out all the code in state of the class serialized attributes and everything into this transition so that when it runs it only cares about its exact state in that transition which is just like causing a little bit more work it's not overly complicated as much as it's just you know you can't trust that the code hasn't changed since the transition was written and so you have to write every transition to be like a little snapshot in time oh yeah i know right so Shipping well, it. It's not always, uh, you know, not always the good stuff. Next week, you'll hear about how Sean wrote his first Rails 5 application and made his first million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not happening this week. <laughs> I am in, I, I'm, I am in uh, like, rapid construction mode on a relatively new app. Um, like, I'm in that phase where just I'm adding a lot of features at once. And that is, when you're in that mode, that is not when you decide to add a new version of rails or anything else or sleep enough. All right. Well, that was a good episode, sir. I feel like I feel, uh, I feel relieved that we're back. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. So till next quarter, uh, <laughs> see you in 2017. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Toodles. Daigle out. <laughs>